Here we go on a Raiders Sunday in Las Vegas. Uh, good morning. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. Here we are um, every Sunday morning. You can catch us right here at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. Me and social media director Spencer, the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Wiz has his well-deserved very own theme music. One day I'll have mine. Um, we are coming to you live from the Wisden, um, which is also known as Spencer Studio uh, in Las Vegas. And back in the Fox Sports residential Baker studio is Chris Magnum Chapman, who is also the locker room reporter for Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and uh, the pregame show host for UNLV football. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, if you are new and have not heard the show in a long while, the reason we are located at different places is because the pandemic that began in March of 2020 continues to keep the majority of us at Fox Sports Radio working remotely, and that would be us in the majority. Uh, the show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That is O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio Line, 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Um, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing a home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And don't forget to ask about the new incredibly discounted uh, payment options on move-in ready Wedgwood homes available right now all over Las Vegas. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all of the home financing options available in the state. Once again, that number is 702-964-5720. On tap, Vegas Golden Knights, half the preseason down. A little more than that, actually, uh, half the preseason to go and a little over a week away from the start of the regular season. We will break it down. We'll give you some goaltender talk, roster moves, all that with uh, Chris Chapman and myself coming up here in just a minute. Um, also, we uh, definitely want to pay attention to something that happened yesterday, five years ago. Um, and, of course, uh, the tragic shooting, which we will talk about um, as well, 58 people killed in what they call the Route 91 mass shooting, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that shortly as well. Um, we're also going to be talking about UNLV football. If you haven't been paying attention, UNLV football, the winner of three, three straight games, 4-1 and one on the season, 2-0 and oh in the Mountain West Conference. No, you're not hearing things. That's actual facts uh, as they won game four of their season on um, Friday night. Uh, right here at uh, the Legion Stadium. We'll talk all about that as well as a little bit more about college football. And, of course, uh, the Major League Baseball playoff picture is really getting into focus. Four and five games left, respectively, for most of the teams. And um, the American League, as far as the playoff spots, all figured out. National League, um, well, different story. A couple division winners. One division still up for grabs and a couple wild card spots still up for grabs. We'll break that down for you in a little while as well. Uh, tragedy. In um, Chris Chapman's favorite sport, the soccer world, yesterday, I'm sure some of you are familiar about that. We'll tell you about that. Uh, matter of fact, one of the biggest sports tragedies in history uh, happened, and we'll tell you. We'll break that down for a little bit as well. We've got the Bones coming up, talking about the Raiders, the only 0-3 team 
in the NFL. And for those of you people that are going to throw the Texans at me, take a look again. I said the only 0-3 team, Texans 0-2-1. Raiders trying to get off the snide. That will be today at home against the Denver Broncos, who uh, boast one of the stingiest defenses at least three games into the season of anybody in the NFL. We'll talk about that as well. And, of course, uh, the rest of the NFL week four going on. Some good matchups, one going on right now in London between the Vikings and the Saints. I'll make sure that Spencer keeps you updated on that and gives us scores throughout the show to let you know what's happening there. This way you can watch and listen at the same time. And, of course, our new segment at the end of the show, uh, he picked the winner last week in five out of seven in his 17 parlay. Hopefully he'll only give us the two game parlay this week so we can make some money on that as well. But uh, it is called pick and parlay with the scooper and he'll be around close to the end of the show. So make sure you stick around for that segment and don't place your bets till after you're from scoop. He breaks it down. He is really a good prognosticator. Somebody that I think you'll be hearing a lot about in the near future. That is what's on tap. Once again, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose the company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all of your home financing options available in the state of Nevada. And really quick, guys, uh, just getting the show started, something we talked about um, uh, I should say I talked about just a second ago. Um, you know, it's one of those scenes uh, or events in history that I think you'll always remember where you were at, what you were doing, what you were thinking. I equate events in my life where that memories like that, the famous Bronco chase with OJ Simpson uh, back in 1994. We'll never forget that. Uh, definitely. We'll never forget 9-11. And here in Las Vegas, all of us will never forget October 1st, 2017. Mags, uh, you know, um, I uh, I think of that day. I was sitting at home. Ironically, I had driven past the Mandalay, um, Mandalay uh, Bay shortly before that, past the area where it happened on Route 91. Um, one of the most tragic incidences I've ever seen, and it was followed up by one of the most miraculous stories in sports history. But um, what a time for Las Vegas. And again, prior to that, I'll say this before I let you chime in. Prior to that, um, this community, I'm not going to say that they were a bunch of unhappy people by any means, but what I will say is that I don't think this community was as friendly. Las Vegas might be the most transient city in the country with people from all over coming here. It is one of the largest vacation destinations in the world, as we all know. And when you have a tragedy like that, all of a sudden, Chris, I'm walking around the streets and people are actually nodding their head, saying hello, getting out of parking spaces quicker. I mean, it seemed to change the entire culture and atmosphere of this city after that tragedy. Yeah. And, and, you know, things have kind of resumed to, to what you had described previously, but you know, that day it's, it's so weird because I literally remember every single thing up to that moment when I, when I found out and, and started seeing things coming in on my Twitter feed from people who were down on the strip. I was on the strip that day. I was covering the final preseason game for the Vegas Golden Knights. They took on the San Jose Sharks. I remember everything about that vividly. I remember who I drove to the game with. I remember, you know, what what I ate for lunch that day. I remember stopping and picking up dinner on the way home from the game. I mean, Brian, the 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 crazy thing and I think you know, we we would have been fine in T-Mobile Arena, but that game started at 5:30 because it was a Sunday night. Had that game started at 7 o'clock, like like normal games start, Everybody who was in T-Mobile Arena would have been on the strip 
19,000 people would have been locked in T-Mobile as that event was unfolding. I still remember talking to players from the Golden Knights who went to go get dinner. They were they got locked in the Cosmopolitan at dinner because of the fact that they, they, they literally knew or nobody knew how many shooters were involved, how many how, how many you know people were, were what what else was going to happen? But I will say this: it was it, it was surreal. Like I remember everything up to that point. Everything after it that night was a blur, and I don't I don't think it's something that we will ever shake as a community. Just like I don't think the communities of Uvalde, Texas, other other cities, the, Orlando. I I don't think that. It's something you ever really will forget. It's not something that that you 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 ever will will shake. You know, I I, I was thinking, and, and it's sad, but you know, I mean, we we my wife and I we went out and we did things yesterday. We we had a normal Saturday afternoon, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of this tragedy. I'm thinking of, hey, you know what? If I go into the grocery store. Is there going to be a copycat? Is there going to be someone else who wants to make a name for themselves on October 1st? It's it's sick. I don't remember the name of the guy. I don't really care to remember the name of the guy. I, Brian, quite honestly, it, it sickens me that this continues to happen in the United States. You know, when, 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 when my, I have a very, very good friend who's from Connecticut. He grew up 15 minutes from, from Sandy Hook Elementary. If we as a country chose to do nothing about trying to resolve this American-only problem, if that did not cause change and if that did not get people to to say, hey, you know what, enough is enough, nothing will. Nothing changed after Las Vegas. Very little has changed after uh, um, Uvalde. We had a mass shooting on the 4th of July at a freaking parade in Chicago or, or in a suburb of Chicago, Brian, it, it sickens me. And I don't want to go down too far, but the fact that this continues to happen in the United States almost exclusively, it, it, it breaks my heart and it sickens me that we as a society have decided that people are expendable because some other people feel that the NRA is more important. And, and that's all I have to say about it, Brian. Yeah, Chris, I, you know, there's so much that can be said about all of that. And, uh, you know, I'll leave it with this, um, you know, as, as a, as a patron, a citizen, uh, in Las Vegas, um, it was one of those things where you're just like shaking your head, like, wow, as I'm watching it on the news unfold at home, knowing I had passed by Mandalay Bay, maybe, maybe an hour before the whole thing was just crazy. And uh, so many people, I mean, may, maybe best exemplified Nate Schmidt, one of the golden Knights at the time, one of the, of course, original misfits. Uh, he, I'll quote him on what he said about that that time because he was one of those guys down on the strip after the game, having dinner and hanging out with some of the other players. He said the weirdest, eeriest, scariest moment when we ran down Las Vegas Boulevard. There's only the National Guard or police out there besides us, and we're trying to get to Planet Hollywood so we could get out the other side of the strip. All the doors are locked except for one last door. We walked in, and it was the eeriest thing you've ever seen. All the lights are off. The the dinging lights were still going, and it's like they dropped 
everything through the floor. The roulette tables were still spinning. It was crazy. You're walking through this thing and ice was still in glasses. Chips were still being paid. No one knew the city at that point. No one knew where to go, what to do, where the exit points would be or anything. I mean, that's what it was. It was just sheer chaos. Imagine a guy breaking a window um, up high up in Mandalay Bay and just shooting across the street at the Jason Aldean concert. One of the most amazing things is, as I think all of us watched it on the news, you can't explain the feeling. It's like this can't really be happening. And uh, uh, the wake of one of the worst tragedies ever, the Golden Knights went on a run that is historic. It's unprecedented. It's never happened before. And I'm going to say it probably never will happen again, at least in my lifetime, for an expansion team to go all the way to the championship series of a major professional sports. It's just unheard of. And it, it united the community so much. I mean, it made that season so much more special because everyone in Las Vegas uh, needed it. As Spencer was showing, 58 people tragically died. They were displayed at the Golden Knights game. This was amazing. I was there. I know Spencer was there. I think Chris was there as well. Uh, if you're, if the hairs weren't standing up in your arm when this went through, you weren't human. I mean, it was, uh, it was very hard to fight back tears at that moment at T-Mobile Arena. One of the most incredible feelings I've had. And of course, this weekend in the wake of a tremendous tragedy in Florida, Hurricane Ian absolutely devastating the coastline in Florida, especially Fort Myers. And uh, you know, hey, it's part of life, but. Um, but this community really changed here in Las Vegas, at least temporarily uh, after that happened. One of the most incredible things. And Spencer, we might as well segue that right into Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here killed in uh, Route 91 mass shooting um, and uh, just just one of the most incredible uh, nasty stories in American history it was it was something tragic and uh, and again uh, again the hearts the hearts still felt for all the families and the people of Las Vegas and endured that tragedy also were here it literally sent us all into shock but um, guys aside from that uh, the Vegas Golden Knights one and three in the preseason uh, I think they've got three preseason games left to go now have played for uh, you never take a look at the preseason record and that's indicative of anything you know a few roster changes made yesterday uh, over the weekend I should say nothing super surprising but Chris um, the biggest concerning thing to me is still what's going on between the pipes in game one they started Michael Hutchinson I don't think anyone was shocked over that but he stopped every shot that came his way he played well um, you know they've used three other goaltenders since then Aiden Hill um, I, I gotta say, I'm not sure what Bruce Cassidy's mindset was keeping him in for the entire game where he just took a pelting, gave up seven goals. He has looked, uh, you know, you kind of alluded, you weren't the week before we got Aiden Hill, not that you didn't want him or anything, you know, just, he wasn't one of the guys you were enamored with. He ended up being the guy that they chose to come in and either compete for a starting job with Logan Thompson and maybe Laurent Brossois, or maybe even, um, you know, be the second guy right now to me Chris he's the odd man out I think that game against San Jose I mean I, I didn't see the game only the highlights but there were a couple goals that were really really bad that he gave up in that game um 
Brossois, we don't know exactly, or maybe you have a better idea of his return from the offseason hip surgery that he had. I got to imagine he's getting close. But right now, I would say, and again, this is completely off the cuff, it's got to be Logan Thompson at this point getting the nod as the number one goalie. And if Laurent Brossois isn't here, uh, Chris, I'm not sure how you make Aiden Hill the backup. And Michael Hutchinson, who's only had limited time, you don't give this guy a shot at least to sit on the bench for the first game. He's been part of the team kind of before Aiden Hill. But then again, do you bring Aiden Hill down, uh, bring Aiden Hill over here to send him to the Henderson? No, no. Late Aiden Hill is going to be the backup. They they sent Michael Hutchinson down to Henderson yesterday. Uh, he still could be claimed off waivers. So uh, your, your number one and number two goalies going into the season opener, barring something unforeseen, will in fact be Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Look, I'm going to read you this quote from Bruce Cassidy following the game on Friday night. Now, like you, I wasn't there. I was at the UNLV football game, uh, but I did see the score during the course of the UNLV football game, and I was a bit blown away. But Bruce Cassidy, this is his quote following the game, and this comes courtesy of Sinbin, uh, my friends Ken and Jason, and it's an attention getter. You've played your games. You've been at training camp. We're not nearly where we need to be, so we've got to get the the hell back to work, and the next time we re- reconvene. That, to me, is the message that will be sent when we get back together. So, uh, Bruce Cassidy, I think, I mean, I, I don't know how bad Aiden Hill was in that game, but it's always tough to tell in preseason if it's because we, we watched Georgiev on Wednesday night get lit up like a Christmas tree because the team in front of him just sucked. The Golden Knights, the message I get from that Bruce Cassidy quote is nobody played good on Friday night. And the message that he's sending is we have no choice but to get better and we're going to work our butts off to get better. Uh, Brian, look, the the, the the season is only, uh, what, nine, ten days away from today. It gets underway. I've watched a couple of preseason games. I've watched this team. And outside of the Colorado game on Wednesday, I, 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 I haven't seen anything that makes me say, that they're ready and and Brian I mean look Bruce Cassidy said it himself we're not ready I'm going to read you another quote and this is from Mark Stone who played his first preseason game and if if I'm a fan and I read this quote it scares the hell out of me the game was a little fast for me the first one but just excited to get back in there When your captain is saying the game was a little fast, Brian, he's recovering from back surgery. I don't know if that's the quote I would have wanted my captain to give me. Look, he could have said all the good stuff. You know, I'm excited to get back out there. But when he says the game was a little fast, and maybe, maybe game two won't be as fast, and maybe it's just a getting back into things routine for Mark Stone. But... I get nervous when I see that quote that the game was a little fast. Uh, This is a guy who's played many, many seasons in the NHL. This is a guy who's a captain of the Golden Knights. Brian, that's, that's that's a scary quote. Yeah, Chris, you don't like hearing 
the game's too fast and it's preseason. That's for damn sure. Although you got a lot of guys trying to make a roster, so they're, they're, it's not like anyone's taking it, you know, or being lackadaisical out there. But no, um, no, no. But but at this point, you know, the the he could think that. I don't want him saying it. No, of course not. I mean, I, I agree 100%. The quote, the quote's awful. I, I'm sure when he thought about it after the fact, he had to be like a lump in his throat. Like, why did I do that? But, you know, Chris Wynn chimed in a second ago. I saw a comment, and, you know, that's kind of what I said earlier, you know, back to goaltending, that, um, you know, I, I said the same thing. Why did you leave Aiden Hill in for three straight periods? I, I mean, I understand the Sharks are his old team. You know, you think he's going to be motivated to play against them, even though it's a preseason game. But my God in heaven, man once you get to like five goals or get to the third period you know it's already out of reach at that point put somebody else between the pipes and give the guy a break I don't know why he didn't and uh and and he let up another bad goal in the third period so again that's not going to be indicative of the way they play all season you hope but Chris I remember last year at preseason before the start of the season, you made a comment and we'll end this segment with you responding to this question, but you made a comment that you didn't like what you saw in the preseason. And that if that's indicative of the way they play in the regular season, this is a team that could be left out of the playoffs. Now, the one thing you didn't know or say, cause how could you, what was going to happen, how bad the injury bug was going to bite this team last year, which it did over 500 man hours or uh, of like they, they said of, of, of minutes, 500 man minutes lost to injury or something along those lines. It was some astronomical number. I can't remember the way that it was worded, but no team had ever made the postseason with that many injury minutes by players. However, that being said, you saw something in the preseason last year that you didn't like. Uh, Ultimately, they didn't make the postseason, regardless of the injuries. Chris, this season so far, four preseason games in, one in three, um, you know, the Aside from the comment by Mark Stone, what are you thinking about this team with three preseason games left? Well, I think they're 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 going to take some time to try to find their identity. You know, I I think you have a a brand new coach and a guy who runs a completely different system than what a lot of these guys have played in. You know, I talked to Ben Hutton the other day. I I, I like Ben Hutton. You know, he, he he's a pretty straight shooter and. He, he told me, he said, look, I've played in similar systems, but I haven't played in this particular system. So a guy like that is going to pick it up. It's guys who haven't played in a system like this that I worry about. What I worry about is the fact that William Carlson is relegated to the third line. This is a guy who I think has the capability to score goals, a guy who has the capability to create offense. But when you relegate him to a third line and he's playing with two other centers right now, Michael Amadio and Brett Howden, you know, I'm not I'm not quite sure what the identity of that line is. Uh, we know what the identity of the fourth line is, but right now William Carrier ha- has missed some time. He got injured in, in the second preseason game, and he did not return. Actually, I, think, I take that back. It was the first preseason game he got injured in, and he hasn't played since. So the fourth line right now missing a, a key cog. Brian, I think it's going to take some time. I'm not the eternal optimist. I'm, I'm a, I try to be a realist. I try to be glass not half full or half empty I try to be the guy who looks at it objectively and Brian I think this team has some distance between themselves Edmonton Calgary and maybe even Los Angeles I do think they can make the playoffs but I think a lot is going to have to click early on for this team to do so uh their the back end of their schedule is is really really tough if, if fans want to go and look at their their March and April it's a really, really tough stretch of games that they've got finishing up the season. 
I think at best right now, they're the third place team. I think worst, they're probably fifth. Fifth might be good enough to get them in the playoffs. But Brian, the Vancouver Canucks, that's a team that I think fans probably aren't paying attention to. They need to because they have a lot of good young talent. They fired Travis Green last year. And once they hired Bruce Boudreaux, who is a tremendous coach, as well as being a tremendous character. But this is a team that I think had Boudreaux been there at the start of the season, they would have finished in a playoff spot. They have maybe the best goalie in the Pacific Division in Thatcher Demko. This is a team that I think people are kind of sleeping on and forgetting about. This is a team that's going to push the Golden Knights. And they beat the Golden Knights at the end of the season last year for the first time, it seemed like, in in forever. I think they have like two wins in their entire history against the Golden Knights. Calgary got better over the over the offseason. Edmonton re-signing Evander Kane. That was a huge move for them. This is a team that gained a ton of confidence in the playoffs last year. I think the Kings are, I think there's some question marks, certainly, especially on the blue line. And and maybe they're bottom six. But Brian, I don't think the, that the that the Golden Knights are leaps and bounds ahead of the LA Kings. I think they're behind Edmonton and Calgary. Things are gonna have to go right. They're gonna have to go right quick. And we can't see things like we saw Friday night because if that's the case, it's going to be a long, long season, Brian. It, it very well could be, Chris. And, you know, the key is going to be is avoiding that injury bug that they did last year. Guys like Mark Stone, uh, Jack Eichel being healthy for an entire season. William Carlson, regardless of what line he's on, he's going to have to have offensive production. And the fourth line is going to have to show toughness. You're going to have to see Keegan Colasar and William Car- Carrier playing tougher than they have in the past. And not that both those guys haven't showed the toughness, but I say all the time, William Carrier, man, I want somebody to sit down with him and keep and put toothpicks in his eyes and have him watch uh, Mystery Alaska. You know where Russell Crowe says to the the one the one fella, "You're a big guy. Say it. I'm a big guy." I mean, I I want William Carrier to play more like that. But again, that's my opinion. He's got that offensive ability. I told you the other day when we were talking, Chris. He reminds me of a poor man's Bob Probert. He can mix it up and he can put the puck in the net, but he's got to do both better and especially on the on the physical end because he needs to be a guy that people are worried about and keep their head up for I think most NHL players that know him do a little bit but he could impose his will a lot more just an opinion um again Golden Knights next next uh, outing for them is going to be Tuesday night they're playing at home against uh, uh they'll be playing at home against the Coyotes they got two more games then they go to LA and then back home against the Coyotes again next Saturday and then it all starts a week from Tuesday um, in LA against the Kings and we'll have somebody on next week breaking breaking it down before they get into the regular season I'm excited for the season as I am every year but I think if, if you were ever uh, the term this year would be cautiously optimistic and be be very cautiously optimistic because uh, a lot has to go right for that team to make a run but maybe it's the best thing that this is probably the least expectations I've had on this team since they since after the first season so um, you know maybe that'll bode well maybe a little bit of pressure off of them with less expectations will bode well, but a lot of expectations uh, from management for Bruce Cassidy and this team to do well. Trust me on that. We might not have as many, but they still have very high expectations. And if you talk to Bill Foley, he still believes that this team is a Stanley Cup contender right now. So those are the expectations out there. Uh, Spencer, go ahead and hit it. Uh, time for fact this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. 
this week, but it is a fact. An Indonesian soccer match ended in tragedy yesterday. At least 174 people killed, most trampled to death after riots led to police using tear gas. This is because host Arima FC of East Gabba's Milan City lost a home match for the first time in 23 years, which led fans flooding the field, rioting then outside the stadium with police cars toppled and set ablaze. Police responded with tear gas, firing uh, some towards the stadium where fans ran for the exits, leading to one of the most deadly sporting events in history uh chris i don't know how much you know about this if you've heard about it i watched some highlights of it man um you know i thought i saw one of the most horrific scenes ever in sports if you're watching it again it didn't end in a lot of tragedy i think there may have only been one death it ultimately resulted from detroit winning the 1984 world series i was in downtown detroit as i watched detroit make make idiots of, of, of just accentuate the reputation of the city uh, when they were tipping over cop cars after the, the event. I saw them lighting them on fire. Me and a friend of mine that had attended the game, we went and sat in a billboard and watched in, in horror and disgust. Um, I will say very, very, very minorly, it, re it reminded me of that when I saw some of the street scenes over there um, in Indonesia. But Chris, this was a tragedy, 174 people, and they say that toll might not be final yet. Yeah, I, I, it came across my timeline yesterday. I saw it, and, you know, I, I don't know what it is about the sport of soccer, Brian. I mean, I, I am a massive, massive soccer fan, but I, I, I can't quite explain why these types of things continue to happen in in soccer. Just a few months ago, over the summer, there was, there was a, a pretty nasty uh, riot that took place in Mexico uh, between... Atlas and Coratero, and it, it was it was pretty disgusting. And you know the Mexican authorities have kind of they haven't been as forthcoming with what transpired and how many people were were injured and killed. And I I know some people who are hardcore hardcore soccer fans who are from Mexico that work here at Lotus Broadcasting, and they let me know you know it, really what was going on. And and you know I I won't disclose that, but it's it's pretty vile. Um, you know. I, I have been to many, many soccer games, including in Europe and Asia. Uh, I went to go see, and they call it the Old Firm, and it was Rangers and Celtic, which takes place in Glasgow, Scotland. And it is, it, it, it's beyond sports, Brian, because Celtic is a Catholic team. Rangers are a Protestant team. And when you involve religion, things sometimes get really, really nasty, including in sports. I was told when I went to this match, it was at Rangers home stadium, which is called Ibrox, and their colors are blue and red. And Celtic, obviously being a, an Irish Catholic club, they wear green and white. I was told, wear neutral colors, stay in a crowd, and do not do anything that would cause reason for people to basically try to punch you in the mouth. Uh, so I, I can't explain it. I saw this. Um, you know, I did see there were also some police officers who were obviously responding and attempting to break this up who were killed. Um, right now, there there is no official figure yet, but some of the some of the victims are really young children. Unfortunately, I saw as young as five years old. The stadium holds 42,000 people, and they said about 3,000 of them stormed the, the field or the pitch, as they call it. And uh, vehicles outside the stadium were set on fire, including police and fire trucks. 
I can't explain why or how something like this happens. It's tragic on on a scale maybe unseen ever in this sport. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, Indonesia, to me, is not the place I think of soccer riots taking place. I mean, I've never been to Indonesia, but I've lived in Southeast Asia, and it's, for the most part, everyone I meet from there is pretty mellow and pretty easygoing, so I can't quite explain what was the... What, why there was a, a, a match thrown in a, in a gasoline uh, container in, in, in that stadium in Indonesia. But, Brian, uh, between 125 and maybe upwards of 175, maybe even more killed, I, it's, it's horrible. You know, there, there, there's an old saying that I've learned in, in this sport, and it's no fan should ever have to worry about their safety at a soccer match and no fan or every fan should always come home. I couldn't imagine bringing my child. I'm taking my son to Notre Dame to go watch UNLV in Notre Dame in a few weeks. I couldn't imagine something like this happening where there's a stampede or a riot at a, at a, at a, at a, at a Notre Dame football game. Like you, you don't think about those things as a parent, but I guess in some cases, you have to. It's heartbreaking. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm the biggest soccer fan probably at Lotus Broadcasting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, huge. I get up at five o'clock in the morning sometimes and watch games from all over the world. I, 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 I it's heartbreaking. It, it hurts. It hurts when you see that news as, as a fan of the sport, as a fan of sports, and as a parent, it hurts. It hurts a lot. No, it, it, Chris. I'll tell you what. It's um. It's something I was shocked when I was watching it. And again, you know, you say what caused it. Well, the team, um, uh, Arima FC, 23 straight years, they haven't lost a home game. So I understand and I appreciate passion in sports, but I mean, come on, man, you lose a game. I understand a quarter century of not understanding what it is to lose, but that is over the top. It's ridiculous. And as you talked about, you know, Mexican soccer, uh, Chris, you know, I, I was in an office prior to my other, my other job, my other life um, in mortgages. I was in an all Hispanic office with one of my good friends that worked there from El Salvador. And when El Salvador played Mexico, I mean, these two are very good friends, but for one day there was definitely friction between them. And I mean, not even like joking around friendly friction like real friction like i mean they take it seriously uh, new mexico kind of doesn't consider el salvador and el salvador to them that's their biggest rival and they hate them so i'm just amazed at how these rivals get carried to the point for a day a friendship goes awry i mean i have friendly fire like that with my friends over football and things but i've never seen anything like it but uh hey i appreciate the passion just that is absolutely ridiculous and one other fact this that i wanted to get to uh obviously we're gonna talk about you and but it is a fact with their 31 to 20 comeback win Friday night over New Mexico at Allegiant Stadium, the UNLV Rebel football team has now won three games in a row, are four and one on the season, and two and zero oh in the Mountain West Conference. This is the best UNLV team I have seen since I have been covering the Rebels football, and that started in 2012. This was Marcus Arroyo in the post-game press conference. Wow, what, what, what an awesome, how about, how about the Rebels, baby? Woo! Yeah, I'm still trying to um, Man, I just, that, that's, a, that's such a, a huge deal for, for our group. Um, uh, just a character-building win. I mean, that's the bottom line. It, it was ugly. There was, a, there was a, lot of, uh, a lot of things against you early on. And to rally like that, to play like that in the second half, to play, you know, complimentary football in, in, in a situation like that. Um, I mean, our crowd, the stadium, 
um, just the feel. And I think that, um, you know, we can feel that. We can feel that the, 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 the crowd, the crowd's kind of acting like we are too. They're, they're not, they're as resilient and fighting too. We can feel that down there. So um, a lot of things, handled diversity, um, really played well in the second half, didn't play how we want to play in the first half, but some games are gonna be like that. And uh, we knew those guys were gonna give us everything they got. And that's a tough, that's a well-coached football team by, by, by some coaches who know what they're doing. Um, but I think a, a huge, a huge piece, a huge step forward in just resiliency and fight and belief in each other. So we got to clean some things up. Um, got a whole week to do it. We got to get on the road and, and get the show on the road. Uh, a little low on the levels there, and I apologize for that at the, at the press conference. But um, you could hear Marcus Royal; he was excited, fired up. Um, they went down seventeen to nothing, came back and won the game, going away by eleven points. Uh, late pick six really made it a little bit more of a lopsided victory than maybe it was. UNLV fighting back most of the game. Doug Brunfield not his best game, but more than serviceable. Got the job done, and there is a leadership quality about him that I haven't seen at UNLV since Caleb Herring. And uh, Caleb even said when Chris and I. Talked Talked to him pregame, joking around before the game. This kid's better than me. And uh, 6'5", 225, only a sophomore. Two more years after this one. He the, the, the development, the upside of this kid is tremendous. But one thing that happened in the second half of the game, Chris, we both saw it. And I'm going to play the replay before we talk much about it. Um, but I asked Marcus Royal. Doug Brumfield took a wicked hit on the sidelines. Um in the in the second half of that game and uh you know it's crazy because i was isolating for some reason i was isolating on the kid and uh he was a linebacker he's uh, uh um cody moon and i was kind of isolating him on with my binoculars so i watched it almost from close range and Doug Brumfield was clearly headed towards out of bounds he was one step out of bounds when uh, moon hit him i almost thought it was borderline a game it should have been a game misconduct penalty. He did get unsportsmanlike conduct. Marcus Arroyo went nuts on the sidelines, basically said, get the F out of here to him. I asked Marcus Arroyo because here's the one thing. After that hit I saw on the sidelines with my binoculars, they went to lift Doug Brumfield up, and his head just went right back down again. But he didn't miss a play. They were still on offense. He went back out there and played offense, did not miss a play or a series. And I was really surprised. I didn't really see. I saw people looking at him, but I didn't really see doctors or any kind of protocol followed, at least on my perspective. Maybe there's things I didn't see. After the game, I did ask Marcus Arroyo about that in the post-game press conference. Coach, I thought I'd be asking after the game, how's Doug doing after the hit by snow in the second half? He's sitting here, obviously he's okay, but what kind of protocol was taken after he went down like that? Because it looked like he was in trouble from our perspective. Yeah, I mean, it turned into a rugby scrum. I didn't really see, you know, we got, obviously he got, our doctors were on him right away, um, but they came here, they came right up to me right after where we got everyone separated and calmed down. Um, and, uh, and we were ready to go. You know? What happened in the sideline that you obviously got really upset? Was there something said that got you that upset or was it just the act itself? Just the act. I mean, there was just there was just some stuff going on that, that doesn't have this doesn't have a place in this game in that situation, and uh, to get in there and try to break it up and be caught right in the middle of it. Um, I mean, that's just kind of part of this deal sometimes, you know. Um, no, nothing, you know. That was in the heat of the moment, but I think there's just some stuff down there that, that, that shouldn't have been done, and, and uh, I think you gotta make sure those things don't happen. I understood why he was heated for sure. I mean, after the after the play, Snow's high fiving one of his other fellow the, um, uh, the New Mexico defenders on the sideline, and Royo just looks up and goes, "Get the well, F- oh, out of here. Brian I mean, I, on I on it. on that play because because I'm in the broadcast booth with Caleb and Ross, and we we had multiple replays of it, 
And Brumfield was out of bounds. The kid comes across and basically puts one right across the chops of, of Doug Brumfield. But it wasn't so much the hit. It was the clapping in the face of, I he, I think he was clapping in the face of Marcus Arroyo. And it was it was uncalled for. It was a it was a borderline. I I think it was it was probably a penalty. I don't know if he should have been tossed. I mean, it was close, but it was definitely a borderline hit. It's one of those ones you don't like to see. And it was the the like Arroyo said, some of the things that were done after, like in in the heat of the moment, like the kids clapping in the face of the UNLV coaching staff, and it's like, dude, you just you just laid a, a a borderline dirty hit on a player. You don't celebrate like that in front of the opposing bench. And the the, the funny thing, Brian, is is I was watching that Moon Kid a, a, a bit because, like I said, I'm in the broadcast booth, so I I'm, I'm spotting, so I'm I'm pointing out players and and numbers to to Russ. The Moon Kid had a pretty solid game. Like he had a lot of tackles. He was involved oh, in a Chris, lot of stuff. Just real quick. Did- to interrupt you that was the point i that's why i was isolating on him he had played well on defense and what really had me intrigued he is i mean if you look at if you look at his size and you look at them looking at it right now because this is what why i started watching him i'm like holy cow this is a little guy starting linebacker he's 62 205 that's small jack lambert in the 70s they said was a very undersized linebacker but laid a load he was six to six three two fifteen yeah i mean he was bigger than this kid this kid was laying a load i kept seeing him make plays. so for some reason that play i just was isolated on him and he went and hit around we're running low on time but i do want to say you know I thought, again, just like you did, Chris, it was a dirty hit. I didn't see him clap in the face of Arroyo. I saw him clap. I thought it was just, you know, he was, you get, you you know, you played high school football. Yeah, so yeah. Now you get juiced up. Yeah, but I, there, there's the, there's the, the, the clapping and, and, and it may not have been Arroyo, but it was definitely in the face of people on the UNLV sideline. Oh yeah, it was uncalled. The whole thing was uncalled but, for afterwards. You know, and I, I, I'll, I'll say this, that play aside, UNLV spotted New Mexico 17 points, and they did not panic in that game. Like we talked about in the pregame, Brian, this is a, this is a good football team. I thought they showed a lot of resiliency coming back to win that game. Look, New Mexico threw some things at them that I don't think UNLV was expecting early on. I mean, look, you and I, we, we went through it all in the pregame show. I don't think we were expecting uh, Kendrick to, to run the first two touchdowns because the kid doesn't run all that much. They were, they were mixing it up, running some wildcat. They had, you know, the backup quarterback in there. Look, UNLV was missing their top two wide receivers in that game. Nick Williams gets injured in the game, misses some time. And you have a kid named Calvin Soders from Portland, Oregon, come in. He hadn't seen any action all season. Kid had a monster game for the Rebels. And, and, I'm stoked that Cameron Oliver was able to intercept that ball at the end and and basically put the exclamation point on the win for UNLV. Uh, look, Brian, he's got two touchdowns defensively this season, so uh, pretty pretty cool stuff for Cam Oliver. But this is a pretty good team. The one thing I will say about Doug Brumfield, and I love watching him play because, like I I, I said last week on your show, I've said it on the pre on the pregame show, he's the best quarterback I've seen at UNLV since Jason Thomas. Ironically, where's number two, just like Jason Thomas. But the one thing I would like to see better from him, I think he's got to get better at throwing the deep ball. No, I I, I will agree. I think, but he's a sophomore. But he's he good. He's he's so cerebral, Brian. Yeah. He's so well, I, smart I, with the decisions I, I he makes. 
No, I agree, Chris. I but I say I agree. Jason Thompson. Uh, Thomas, excuse me, maybe the last one, but don't forget about Omar Clayton, who actually, as far as career passing yards, is the second behind Randall Cunningham. Yeah, with over look, there, there have been some yards. some pretty good quarter, some decent quarterbacks like Omar yeah, Clayton. But, I was good. Obviously, you know, you and I talked about Caleb. Look, you don't get into an NFL training camp if you're a scrub. Caleb Herring was in an NFL training camp. The the kid was a really really good. I say he's a kid right now. He's a full grown man and he's got family. But you know, thirty years old. Almost. Yeah, I mean he he was so good at UNLV and and you know you don't go in, you don't go to a training camp in the NFL if you're a scrub. So no, you don't. So and, and so he's clearly good. Brumfield, I agree with you. This kid, the upside is tremendous. UNLV, uh, it is time for the fans and UNLV students to start getting out to these games. There should never be less than 10,000 people. There, you know what? They, they had more people there. That was the best crowd of the season, the New Mexico game. No, so it was, but it, I, still, I still think it needs to get better. If they I beat mean, San Jose State on Friday night, and look, I watched a little bit of San Jose State last night. They, they looked a lot better than they did against Western Michigan. Uh, I think they ended up beating Wyoming. I, I turned it off after a little bit, but from what I watched them, they looked like they're a pretty good team. Uh, well, they are. But but I'll, I'll say this: I don't think they're they're unbeatable. Like UNLV, I think could go very well could go up to Spartan Stadium and, and beat that team. Um, you know, is if that's the case, and this team's five and one when they come home to play Air Force, people better get out there and support this team because they have done everything. For people to go out there and 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 buy tickets and support this team. Look, for years I've heard, I want a winning program. I want a winning team. Marcus Arroyo is building a winning program and putting a good, solid product on the field. There's no excuse for fans to not show up and support that team right now. No, I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, it, 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 we'll see what happens. San Jose is going to be tough. That's a tough game. They're 3-1 and one. coming off, as you mentioned. They just had a big win at Wyoming, uh, 33-16 on the road. Their only loss was to Auburn, and they lost by eight points, 24-16. to 16. This is a team that can play football, especially at home. UNLV is going to have to bring everything they've got. But if they find a way to win win against San Jose State and come back here 5-1, and 3-0 in the conference, I want to see people in the second and third levels at Allegiant Stadium. That's asking a lot, but I think it's realistic. The biggest issue for UNLV has been their offensive line, and that's been their biggest concern, but um, UNLV continues to play well in spite of that, and and that is because of the mobility and decision-make, as you mentioned, of Doug Brumfield, who's done tremendously well. We'll see what happens again. The next game is next Friday night, 7.30 at San Jose State. That is going to be an interesting game. And real quickly, guys, we got to fly. I was going to talk more college football, but we are running really low on time. So I just want to say the Major League Baseball, uh, you know, one of the things are going to be, will Aaron Judge get home run, home run number 62? I got to believe he will. Um, you know, he got 60 before Babe Ruth hit his 60th. So you can give him that. But um, 61, he obviously got before Roger Maris got his 61st, but he didn't get his 61st till after Babe Ruth's season should have would have ended. So I don't know how they'll view that, but he's got five games left today. He goes against a rookie pitcher. He's hit 16 home runs off rookie pitchers this season out of his 61 home runs. I'm guessing he gets number 62 today. Just my prediction. The American League playoff picture is all set, as we know. National League playoff 
picture going to be um, interesting as it comes right down to the wire over who's going to win one of the two divisions. We know who we're talking about. The Braves or the Mets. Braves have an inside track on that division in the National League. And, of course, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, the winner of the game today will actually hold the tiebreaker in the series if they should end up tied at the end of the season as far as who will win the division. It's going to come right down to the wire. We'll talk a lot more about that next week as we get into the playoffs. Right now, I want to get into uh, the Bones um, a little bit more with uh, with uh, the Raiders. And, um, you know, the bottom line is this Raiders team, the only 0-3 team in the NFL, they have problems all over the place. Their offensive line is like musical chairs. They've tried seven different combinations in three games on that offensive line, and none of them are working. But I am not going to blame the bad play of Derek Carr specifically on the offensive line. This guy has got to get consistent. He's got to start hitting passes. And the one thing he's got to do more than anything else is quit leaving and hanging his receivers out to dry, which is something he's done this year more than I think any other year. And and uh, just just shocking to see what I'm seeing from from Derek Carr this year. I mean, you know, I, I've never said he was great, but I started giving him all kinds of credit last season. And this season, you know, to say he's been a letdown would be would be an under, the understatement. I mean, this guy is a good part of the reason this team is not winning. I think Josh McDaniel, you know, we got to look at what this guy has done and his body of work over, over time. I mean, Josh McDaniel now has lost 15 of his 20 games as an NFL head coach. Spencer, I'll bring you aboard. What is going on with this Raiders team? I mean, I know you didn't like them. Their secondary has been awful. I don't know the return of Trayvon today. Amorig is going to help this team out. I think Perryman getting back into the lineup will help them out. But what's going on with the Raiders? I don't know. It, it, it's a lot of factors. You know, Darren Waller has played really bad this season. But one of the bigger storylines of the year, of course, has been Chandler Jones, who they paid a bunch of money to. Six tackles through three games this season. One quarterback. Hurry. Not pressure. Hurry. So four solo tackles, two assisted for a guy they paid a boatload of money to. Max Crosby has done nothing this season either. All the people they paid have not produced. That's the difference. The defense has been better than anybody could have ever predicted. They don't have any defensive tackles. Denzel Perryman has been out. I mean, the defense has held up more than anybody could have ever predicted. It's Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Jones, and Max Crosby. That's the real reason they have been losing this game because everyone else has been playing up to the bill, at least from what I've seen. Derek Carr, 850 passing yards, six TDs, two INTs, or excuse me, four INTs this season. Devontae Adams has had a touchdown in all three games, but they are having trouble connecting uh, late in games when they need to the most. And I don't think it's Devontae Adams that's having trouble connecting. It's Derek Carr. And again, uh, at some point in time, accountability has got to be taken. Things have got to be figured out. And um, supposedly, uh, Josh McDaniels had a lengthy conversation with Mark Davis after the Tennessee game. We're going to see what happens today. Denver defense continues to shine, uh, though their offensive struggled. In defense uh, plays uh, points per game, they are second in allowing the fewest points per game, second and third in allowing the fewest yards per game. Uh, yards per play, they are sixth in fewest yards per play, and third in uh, third down percentage, th uh, third in not letting a team get a first time. Um, this team, uh, have, Denver's defense is the reason they're two and one right now. Offensively, they've been struggling as bad, if not worse, than the Raiders. But 
Denver's defense being really good. The Raiders offense being lethargic at best. Um, it, it bodes very well. I, I, I'm going to predict right now. I think the Raiders are going 0-4. I think Russell Wilson gets it together. I think Denver has a decent day, and I think the Raiders go 0-4, and, 4 and uh, they, they start spiraling. That's just my opinion based on what I've seen. I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, we'll see if I'm wrong or not, but we're going to bring a bring aboard our, our newest segment on the show as we started last week. It is called... Um, Pick and parlay, and last week in the pick and parlay, uh, you picked that we got Austin, we known as the scooper, uh, and he is, I'm telling you, this guy is a great sports prognosticator. You should see what he puts into it. Young guy that you will hear a lot more, and you'll hear more about on this show if he keeps picking the winners, because I'm going to keep betting with him. But last week he told us to take Green Bay at Tampa Bay on the money line straight up. I did, and he won. He gave us a 17 parlay. I felt it was too much. All money lines. He was five <laughs> out of seven. That's pretty damn good, man. I'll take five out of seven every day of the week. But today we're going to stick with a two-teamer and a one-and-one one game. Uh, and uh, what 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 is going on to throw? Okay, he's going to give us a three-teamer today. Three Go ahead today. and give us the one game. Spencer's going to write him down to keep track. Give us our pick of the week, and then give us our three-team parlay. Good morning, sir. Um, so today, uh, just listen to your great little – Siliqui there about uh, this Raider team, and you're dead on the money. Uh, very fraudulent. Been fraudulent for the last couple of years, and, you know, I think Gruden had this kind of specialness to him. He was able to get the best out of his guys. They played hard for him, and I just see a lot of bad energy in that locker room right now. And who beat him last week? But the Tennessee Titans. And all of a sudden, people have started to perceive this Titan team a little bit different this week, but I still see the same team. This is a bottom five team. They have trouble uh, on both sides of the ball in the trenches, um, and today they go up against the Colts, and we're going back to the well with another money line play. Indianapolis Colts is our pick for the week. I see a uh, advantage on both sides of the ball in the trenches. I really like the spot. I like to bet on teams who don't play well but find a way to win. It's, it's a bit of a momentum starter. You go back to the locker room. You know you really probably shouldn't deserve to win the game, but you got a little break. You run with it. You have a little bit of energy. You go into the next week. You're at home against a team who's really, you know, controlled this division a little bit recently. And I think the Colts uh, take back control today, get back into the thick of things with a great head coach who just kind of has a tendency to start slow. All right, brother, give us your parlay. We got about 45 seconds. No problem. Here's the parlay. Three-teamer. We're going to throw Indy in it. We're also going to go with Cleveland. Uh, This is a team that uh, I really liked what I saw 10 days ago, fully rested. Jacoby Brissett looks confident, decisive. This running game's the real deal. O-line's getting healthy, continuity's there. And then we're going to also throw in Baltimore. This is a team that's uh, going up against the uh, Super Bowl pick for everybody. And uh, Lamar Jackson's in a different world right now. He's doing everything, running, passing. And uh, I think at the end of today, a little sneaky narrative could be, wait, is Lamar Jackson actually right there with Josh Allen and these other guys? Or even maybe a little better? Because I've never seen an athlete like him play quarterback. Nope, he's as good as it's been having having a uh, MVP type of season. Although a lot of people say right now, after month one, who just got NFC Player of the Month, you know, how about which is just crazy? Jalen Hurts, NFC Player of the Month, and people are talking to him right now, an early NFL MVP candidate. Wow, is all I can say about that. Oh, Hurts, I think it's Lamar Jackson. But we are out of time. Uh, Scoop, I appreciate you, man. We'll take a look at these picks now on the parlay. Was that money lines or was that against the spreads? So with Baltimore, we're going to throw plus three in there. Why not be a little safer? Um, I think they went outright. You can throw in a money line if you want. But uh, Cleveland's a one-point spread, so they're, you know that's going to be a money line play. And then uh, Indy's a money line play. 
All right, there we go. That is Scoop with Pick and Parlay. We'll see how he does next week. Listen, we're out of time. Uh, some great games today to watch. Uh, you know, the ones I'm going to look at real quickly, I'm looking at the, the, the Eagles-Bills game. It should be, excuse me, the the, um, the Bills at the Ravens, I think, is the game of the day. The Chiefs at the Bucks ought to be a real good one. And, of course, Monday night, Rams and the Niners. That's always a great game. We're out of time. This is out of line. I'm Brian Feldman. I want to thank the Scooper for his Pick and Parlay. Of course, Chris... 